Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Friday episode, Bruce Exclusive. You know what we do. We do almighty takes. We do crumbling the cookies. We do... Basically nothing else because I'm usually out of gas by the time we're done with those things. Let's dive into it. As a reminder, you can email me, my preferred method of acquiring Almighty Takes. I am Bruce Almighty at Yahoo.com. I am Bruce Almighty at Yahoo.com. I tried for I am Bruce Almighty, my will be done. It was just it was just it was just too long. Or maybe smite me almighty smiter at Yahoo.com. I thought about that for a while too, but I went with I am Bruce Almighty at yahoo.com. Send me your almighty takes every single Friday. We will try to get with them. I'm not sure yet what we're going to do with almighty takes in the offseason. I don't know. Because I have a lot of things I want to get to in the offseason. And if I half my episodes by chunking every Friday, I don't know if I'll do it. So I don't know. Stay tuned for what we'll do with almighty takes in the offseason might specifically call for them before specific events like Almighty Draft Take, Almighty Free Agency Take, Almighty Training Camp Take. I'm not sure. But without further ado, Almighty Takes of the Week. Sean says just apparently the offense can take the day off. That's it. That's the whole email from Sean. And the answer is yes. Highly probable the offense can take the day off against Baltimore. I don't think they can against Kansas City. But they did against Baltimore because you have to be able to win in as many ways as humanly possible because game situations change. So the Bills having a big day from their defense happened to coincide with the offense not putting up the level of points that you otherwise would want to put up. And I'm here for it. That's complimentary football. Christopher says, I'm writing this Sunday before today's games. I obviously believe the Browns would be an easier matchup next week, but I suspect even if the Bills win at all, if we don't beat Mahomes ourselves, we will hear for about nine months, well, they never beat Mahomes, and if you want to be the king, you got to beat the king. Separate take. The Bills have two ghosts left, and they're winning the Super Bowl and beating Tom Brady. So here is hoping we can get them done in one shot in his new home stadium. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet. Beating Brady in Tampa, Would be nice. I'll level with you. Now that Brady isn't a Patriot, I don't really care all that much anymore. Because either way, you're beating one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I think the Packers are a tougher out than the Buccaneers. But I think they're both very, very good teams who the Bills could beat and they could lose to. So I don't really care that much about the Tom Brady thing. It doesn't really phase me that much. Because I really don't think the, well... Really, the Bills, they only took over the AFC East because Brady left. I think they would have beaten Brady anyway this year because the Patriots weren't a very good team and the Bills were so much better than they were last year. And Josh Allen's so much better. I don't think Tom Brady is beating the Bills, you know, because wins are a quarterback stat. So there's that. 
And I do agree with you. I do think that having Mahomes play on Sunday, which I do believe that he will, having Mahomes play on Sunday and beating a Chiefs team that is led by Mahomes eliminates another narrative that I don't have to deal with, which is one of the reasons why I was so excited about the Bills winning a playoff game so I didn't have didn't have to deal with a narrative that Sean McDermott is Marvin Lewis. Adam says, hey, Bruce. Love the podcast. Look forward to listening every week. My five-year-old son can even recognize your voice as we listen to you on our way to and from pre-K. One of the reasons why I don't use foul language on this podcast is because I know multiple people who have their children listen to me. And that, that matters to me. So, you know, you might occasionally hear me slip. And if that's the case, then I apologize. But I've had multiple people tell me that they listen to it when they drop their kids off. And I, I just want this to be something that your kids can listen to. Um, I'm going to be yelling and screaming a lot because, you know, that's what we do here sometimes. But I'm also going to be talking about, you know, parabolas, you know, algorithms, things that maybe they would be learning about in, you know, algebra class. So the Bruce exclusive is, you know, fun for the whole family. All right. So. Adam's writing this about an hour before the kickoff of the Browns Chiefs. My hot take is the Bills will beat the Chiefs if we play them. The game last night showed that Buffalo can win even if Josh doesn't have his best game. They will find a way. The Chiefs are a known commodity. We've played them once, and our Bills team this year gives me reason to believe they can and will avenge that loss. This year's iteration of the Browns is an unknown variable that is also writing a similar underdog story like our Bills, which makes me wary of playing them. If we play the Chiefs, we are the Hunters. And if we play the Browns, we become the hunted. Random question number one. Once Dable inevitably takes the Chargers head coaching job, how long until Ryan Fitzpatrick becomes the Bills offensive coordinator and fuses his football brain with Josh Allen's physical talents? Well, we know now that Brian Dable, shockingly, is not going to be the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, even though I, much like Adam, thought that was going to happen. Random question number two, how long until Bill's Mafia has a shirt with what might be the best Sean McDermott quote, winners know how to turn pain into growth? I don't know. That just, that sounds like a, that sounds like a job for 26 shirts. I feel like Dell needs to get on that. Dell, if you're listening, let's make sure you make that happen. Though, funny story um, to the Bruce exclusive listeners, I have been kicking around the idea of doing like a T public site. And putting some fun Bruceisms on t-shirts and stuff like that. If you guys would find that fun, like if you would find that interesting, then let me know. Shoot me an email or something. I thought maybe I'd get one with like Windsor, not a quarterback stat or something like that on there. And I think it'd be fun. A nice, cool way for me to interact further with my listeners. And we could do like a, a tea public store or something like that. I don't know. Just let me know if you think that's interesting. If you think that would be something that you would care about. Because I think that'd be hilarious, quite frankly. Adam and Charlotte says, thanks for all the time and effort you and your wife put into making the podcast. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate that. And, and again, thank you for shouting out my wife. She is a big part of what we do here. Uh, you will hear her sometimes, but trust me when I tell you that her presence is everywhere on this pod. Her fingerprints are all over this. Uh, she is a significant and influential part of every bit of who I am as a man. So in regards to the Browns Chiefs winner, in this case, the Chiefs playing the Bills, I do think that the Bills are the hunters in this scenario because the Chiefs aren't the same team that they were the first time they played the Bills. And they're not quite as effective. They had some some scares down the stretch, some really close games, and the Bills were banged up. 
So I do think the Bills are better than they were when they initially played the Chiefs. And I do think the Chiefs have kind of leveled off. So I do think there's a little panicky when it comes to the Chiefs. Plus, if you're a Chiefs fan and you've been kind of going off about Patrick Mahomes being the GOAT and Josh Allen being a fluke or something like that, if you lose to Josh Allen and the Bills, that kind of cramps the style a little bit. So I do think that there's more pressure on the Chiefs than there is on the Bills, which is always a good thing. So I I think that's highly probable. Kyle says, hi, Bruce. Sean McDermott currently has a 2-2 two and two career postseason record, and Josh Allen is at 2-1. and one. <gasps> You implied wins are a quarterback stat, Kyle. What are you doing to me? My almighty takes are that McDermott's career postseason record will never drop below 500 for the rest of the time, and Josh will finish his career with more postseason wins than the rest of the 2018 first-round quarterbacks combined. Right now, he's tied with them at two. It starts this weekend with a two-possession victory in Arrowhead with the Bills scoring 30-plus. I know wins are not a quarterback stat. You redeemed yourself, Kyle. But I'm just picturing how sweet that graphic will look on an NFL pregame show 10 years from now. Thanks for all you do. Love the pod. Go Bills. Best wishes, Kyle. Kyle, man, I appreciate that. Thanks for sending this in. This This is a good take. I love this take. I think that one of the things that impacts this that we don't really think about is now that the playoffs are different, how often the Bills get the one seed moving forward in the AFC changes the dynamics because there's one less game to play. So if they get into the wild card round consistently, then there's more opportunities to rack up wins. So it's kind of ironic that being a better regular season team actually allows for less possible postseason victories. Now, that also means there's fewer to get to the Super Bowl, which is the entire point of having the bye, but it's just an interesting note. I think this is somewhat probable. Sean McDermott has a talented team right now. There isn't really a huge scenario that would approach for the Bills in the near future where they wouldn't be able to have a talented team. If the Bills sign Josh Allen to a massive extension this offseason, there is a reasonable probability that they can do so without impacting his cap number for the next two years, which means the Josh Allen money won't hit in that scenario until two years after now. So you don't have to worry about that massive contract messing up your cap, but you still got two more years of potentially Josh Allen, at least one more of Josh Allen and Brian Dable. So I think this is somewhat probable when it comes to this take. Evan says, here's my almighty take. The Bills themselves, coaches and players, are angry and have a chip on their shoulder the size of the moon. All I heard post-game is how they feel like everyone was picking against them against Baltimore. Brian Dable was rumored to be a lock for the Los Angeles Chargers job and didn't get it. The Bills' social media team are calling out critics. Isaiah McKenzie is calling out Nick Wright. You, sir, are calling out people saying the Browns are better set for the future. Darn straight I am. We've seen sugar-high Josh. In this AFC Championship game, we are going to see something different. Josh is going to take his hatred for the Miami Dolphins and superimpose it on the Kansas City Chiefs. Defense will score a touchdown because they're even angrier. Then they are going to do it all over again in a few weeks. Doesn't matter if it's Mahomes, Henny, Rodgers, or Brady. Bills by a billion. Okay, so it should be noted that Bills by a billion is not the official prediction of the AFC Championship game by the Bruce Exclusive Podcast, because that'd be insane. But I believe that there's a 
a comfort level with this team in being counted out. And Sean McDermott said that one of the things that was weird about the Colts game is the Bills were favored by a lot of people. And he has got to learn how to be good. Got to learn how to handle that. But now they're right back in their normal routine, which is everybody counted us out. And you know Sean McDermott loves that stuff. Do you remember the strategic messaging against the Giants last year that Sean McDermott plastered all over the inside of the building that wasn't supposed to leak out, but it actually did and he wasn't happy about it? He absolutely uses all that crap as motivation. We know he does. And the team is comfortable in that role. So I think this is a somewhat probable take that they're angry and have a chip on their shoulder. Trevor says, howdy, Bruce. The Bills are able to be significantly more effective than they were in October. This Bills team has a healthy Josh Allen, healthy Matt Milano, healthy Trey Edmonds, etc. The defense stepping up as of late mixed with elite receiving out of the wide receiver room makes me think we have a win. On top of that, Mahomes has several injury concerns. Bonus take. Josh's best playoff game so far happened Sunday. Let's start with the second part. I think that's somewhat probable. The Kansas City Chiefs defense isn't so good that they can't be had, and they're certainly not effective at the level that Indianapolis and Baltimore are, and Indianapolis got lit up pretty good. So, yeah, I think that's somewhat probable. Mahomes with a lower body injury is notable because mobility isn't a massive part of Mahomes' game. It's not like he has to be able to run around like a crazy person. He's effective regardless, but it is something to be able to make plays out of structure. And if Mahomes is limited in that regard, that does matter. Matt says, Bruce, the podcast is awesome, and I truly look forward to it every single week. Thank you, Matt. Almighty take is that the Patrick Mahomes dropped interception luck is going to end this week and Tremaine Edmonds' missed interception luck is going to change. Bills will pick Mahomes at least twice, and Edmonds will have one of them. Bills win, and please bring on Brady so we can end the Super Bowl jokes once and for all at the expense of the biggest thorn in our side for the last 20 years. I really, really like this take because it's mere images. Tremaine Edmonds has been inches away from picks multiple times this year. And Patrick Mahomes has had many interceptions dropped this year. So I love the fact that you paired them together. That's really cool. I'm going to say somewhat improbable just because we would have to pick him twice. And Evans would have to get one of them. I mean, it's just there's a lot of parlaying going on, but it's, it's, it's fantastic. Nick says, Dable gets back to his crafty ways and deploys two or more trick plays. The game-winning score will be one such play. At the goal line, the Bills roll out the heavy boys with Justin Zimmer at tailback. The ball is snapped. The player once described as, quote, the most athletic 300-pound prospect in NFL history takes the handoff and leaps over the pile. Nobody wants any of that smoke. He scores easily an iconic moment in Bills history. Obviously, I have to go highly probable. That's a lot of stuff. I do think we see a trick player too. this game. If you remember correctly, there was a flea flicker in the first game against the Chiefs. So I would not be shocked by that at all. Jeff says, my almighty take is that Dable was holding off on trick plays because he knew the Bills could beat both teams with solid overall play and normal play calling. Going into Kansas City, I believe he does at least one trick play, knowing his team has to get the momentum in his favor. Jeff, you and Nick, man, mind meld going on here with the trick plays and Brian Dable. 
We saw this, he says, last year with Houston, albeit it didn't work out in the long run. Also, I believe it will be easily the Bills' best offensive performance, not only because of the level of defense they're playing, but because of that, you could have had this Chargers mindset from Dable. Thank you for everything you do for the Mafia and Go Bills. I'm not sure I believe in the you could have had this Chargers mindset from Dable. I don't think that there's a level of motivation that would cause you to be more effective calling plays. If that was the case, why didn't you call plays that well last week? I, I just don't think that there's an added level of focus you can ask for from an offensive coordinator and coaches who work a bajillion hours a day at their craft as it is. I just, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that particular aspect. A couple of people asked me, hey, do you think Brian Dable was lacking focus against the previous teams? And, you know, it's human nature to have scenarios pop up where there are things that are otherwise in your mind aside from your particular job right now but that happens all the time that doesn't just happen when you're interviewing for another job that happens when your wife is sick that happens when your dog is sick that happens when your kid got in an argument with you about his grades last night so i don't know if i really buy it but i do agree that there's going to be a trick player too derek says even if Mahomes is healthy and active on the day of the AFC Championship, the Red Hot Bills D still holds them under 20 points and grabs a takeaway. Allen throws a touchdown, rushes for a touchdown, and in one of the few rushing attempts of the game, Singletary breaks off a long rushing touchdown. 24-17 Bills and the boys roll down to Tampa, beaming with confidence for their shot at the Lombardi. Mahomes better than everyone narrative is put to rest when the league sees Allen outplays the NFL golden boy to head to the Super Bowl. Thanks for the great contact in the season. I love listening to an unbiased intellectual when it comes to Bill's football. Pods like the Bruce exclusive give a great outlet to prepare for every game, all while avoiding the ridiculous talking heads. Go Bills. Take the Sabres with you. Hey, you know what? I'm not a Sabres guy. I'm not a hockey guy. But at the time of this recording, apparently they're playing well. They're playing the hockey. Well, I don't I don't know what playing hockey well looks like. I know basically nothing. I've seen a couple hockey games live. My wife and I went to a few Columbus Blue Jackets games, and I've been to a Philadelphia Flyers game or two. Funny story, when I was a kid, my father took me to a Hershey Bears game in Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is a minor league hockey team. And at one point during the game, my father tells me, Bruce, watch out. And he reaches in front of my face, and I'm like, what are you doing, Dad? Come on. And he comes back, and he has a puck. A puck had ricocheted off of a pad and come over and almost hit me in the head. And my dad caught it and gave it to me. Yes, I still have the puck. So that's a fun little Bruce hockey story. But that's about my extent of my exposure to hockey. I don't think the Bills are going to hold the Kansas City Chiefs under 20 points. So I'm going to say highly improbable on this one. And Singletary doesn't get a lot of long rushing touchdowns. They rarely happen because he doesn't have the breakaway speed. We saw one this year against the Broncos, but it's just unusual. I'm going to say highly improbable, but I will say that the Mahomes better than everyone narrative is something that will change if the Bills beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Because Mahomes had two consecutive years of MVP and AFC Championship appearance, and then Super Bowl appearance and a great, great, great season. So since Mahomes took over, it's been dominance across the board. And so if he gets to or wins 
another Super Bowl. It will be basically every year since Mahomes has taken over as a starter, it's been dominance from the Kansas City Chiefs. So I do think that breaking that up with something else will change that narrative for this offseason quite a bit. Now, Derek also sent a fandom story, which we're going to read. Because that's what we do on this pod sometimes. Somebody tells a story about the way they became a Bills fan. We think it's cool, so I read it. My parents raised my two brothers and I on Grand Island. We've been lifelong Bills fans just like our dad. Being born in 98, I thought Kyle Orton was the greatest quarterback I'd ever see in a Bills uniform. Watched every game of the drought with my family and learned from my dad how to yell at the television. My father lost his job around 2014. This caused our family to uproot from Buffalo and move to central Pennsylvania. Leaving Buffalo was heartbreaking for my family and my season ticket holding father. But nevertheless, my dad made the 200 mile trek on Sunday mornings of each home game to make it to the lots in time for tailgating. For away games, we found a Bills backers club in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Now that my brothers and I are grown up and witnessing the first great Bills team we've ever seen, we're doing a different kind of yelling at the television. No matter where we are or how far apart my family is on game day, I know exactly what my parents and brothers are doing on Sundays. All the times we got made fun of for being Bills fans after we moved away make this season so much sweeter. Sports bring people together. Whether it's family or friends, it doesn't matter for a lot of people what your favorite musician is. It doesn't matter how old you are, what your economic status is. Sports gives people an opportunity to connect with other people that they otherwise wouldn't connect with. One of the things that I would argue we have a problem with in this society is we have an issue with identity. We've always had an issue with identity. We're not comfortable being individuals. And so what that means is we want to be part of something. Humans want to be part of something bigger than themselves. And sometimes they attach their identity to all the wrong things. If you go up to any person in this country right now, and you say, tell me about yourself, the vast majority of them are going to start off by telling you what they do for a living. Because that's part of what they do to find their identity, right or wrong. People identify themselves by the groups they belong to. That's how they find their identity. And if that's going to be the case, ideally, that would not be necessary. But if it is necessary, let's make sure you're attaching your identity to the appropriate group. Let's make sure that you're not finding yourself and finding your identity in something that doesn't matter. Find it in something that brings you joy. Don't find your identity in something that somebody else tells you you have to be. If you don't like your job and someone asks you, tell me about yourself. Don't identify yourself by that job. That's not who you are. That's what you do. If you want it to be who you are because it brings you joy, then by all means do it. But what you do is not who you are unless you want it to be. Some people work to live. Other people live to work. Different strokes for different folks. But you should find your identity in whatever the heck it is that brings you joy because life is short and you're going to blink and it's going to be over. So when you meet somebody new and they ask you, hey, tell me about yourself, lead that conversation off with whatever it is brings you joy. If that's Bill's fan, do it. And don't let anybody else tell you that you shouldn't. 
now that I have appropriately gotten up on my soapbox and brought down fire and brimstone, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to do crumbling the cookies and we're going to finish off with a little bit of a twist. Stick with me. I'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. Let's crumble some cookies. Let's do it. Do you remember what the two major points were the last time the Buffalo Bills played the Kansas City Chiefs? The first one was don't blitz Patrick Mahomes. Guess what the first one this time is? Still don't blitz Patrick Mahomes. Why on earth would I do it twice? Is it because I'm lazy and I'm just copying content? No, here's the reason why. I'm repeating this because the Bills defenders have talked about finding their way in the back half of this regular season and the aggressive mindset that steered them back to those effective results that we're used to seeing from this Bills defense. So there might be some temptation to try a different approach in regards to blitzing. Because last time the Bills played Patrick Mahomes, they blitzed him once, which was good, right along the lines with what I advised. So maybe you're thinking, well, this is a different defense. Being aggressive has worked for us. Let's go for it. I cannot stress this enough. Don't do that. Patrick Mahomes' ability to beat the blitz is not a product of hypermobility. And any lingering ankle or foot issues that he may have will not stop him from beating the Blitz with effectiveness. He's 135.3 passer rating when a defense brings extra rushers. The Andy Reid offense and playmakers on the outside like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, that's what gives Patrick Mahomes quick and devastating answers against the Blitz. This doesn't change if he's a little bit hobbled. The second piece I want to talk about for crumbling the cookies is a cheer that you might have heard at a basketball game or a football game. And it's be aggressive, be e aggressive. And I don't necessarily mean this when it comes to throwing the ball vertically down the field. Here's what I mean. The Indianapolis Colts played as well as you could hope for against the Bills in the wild card round of the playoffs. They had a game plan. They executed it very, very well. They took every second and then some off of the play clock as often as possible. They completed the passes that they needed to complete. They ran the ball. They shortened the game against the Bills because they were attempting to minimize variance that comes from an increased number of plays and drives by both teams. The more drives you have, the more variance shows up between the two offenses. I said this exact same thing after the Bills played Kansas City the first time and I was defending the defensive game plan. I said, listen, less drives is good. This team is banged up. Josh Allen's got a bum shoulder. You don't have Matt Milano. Less drives is less variance. And that's exactly what the Colts did against the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, the Chiefs have a high-powered offense, so there, there might be a thought that maybe you would want to replicate that. Keep Mahomes off the field. The Bills had a higher-scoring offense than the Chiefs in the 2020 regular season. Don't believe me? Check the stats. The Bills scored 31.3 points per game in 2020, second in the league. The Chiefs scored 29.6 points per game 
sixth in the NFL. Listen, I recognize Kansas City rested their starters in Week 17, but the Bills rested their starters for a good portion of Week 17, and at the time, it was against the number one scoring defense in the NFL in Miami. The Bills shouldn't game plan this week as if they're scared of the Chiefs' offense. Go for the fourth downs, throw the ball in neutral situations, try for points at the end of the half. Continue the level of aggression that you've sown this year. That has made me proclaim to everyone who will listen that Sean McDermott isn't Dick Geron, and he's actually an aggressive head coach. Keep it up. Don't hope and pray that a Super Bowl appearance is going to magically happen to you. Go out and take it. I said I had a surprise for the end of this pod, and I do. There are two specific entries to the almighty takes that I want to read because I think they will get this particular weekend off to a good start, assuming you're listening to this on Friday or potentially Saturday before the game. Aaron sent in a letter to America from the Bills fan base that I thought was awesome, and I'm going to read it. Dear America, you've laughed at us and made us the butt of jokes time after time over the last 30 years. For many of those years, the team or the front office or the coaching has deserved it. We held it against you. We still do, honestly. We love this team, and we bear our broken hearts like badges of honor. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to offer you a spot on the Buffalo Bills bandwagon. Sure, we've got a cool quarterback and a hot wide receiver and a stalwart punch-you-in-the-mouth defense, but that's not why you should root for the Buffalo Bills. As much as we have and the hard-earned victories we've grinded for, you probably relate to the Bills more than you realize. You see, Buffalo has been a powerhouse of a city. It was gateway to the West way back in the day. We ran the show. When the Erie Canal opened up, we called the shots. So much so that we were the very first city in the United States to use electricity That electricity powered the steel mills and grain elevators that were the heartbeat of this city and this region for generations. And then, times changed quick, and we found ourselves from the top down towards the bottom. The Buffalo Bills of the last 30 years have been a perfect reflection of that dynamic. Used to be really great, and everybody talked about the big ballers and shot callers that were Buffalo. And then they lost it all. And no one has heard barely anything for the last 30 years until now. Now, things have been turning around for the last couple of years for this city and this team. A lot of things fell apart. And don't get me wrong, that hurt. But every day, we've picked ourselves up and tried to make what we can of tomorrow. Enter 2020. Like countless places across this country, 2020 has thrown nonstop, rapid-fire haymakers left and right every day. For the last year, 2020 and 2020, the director's cut was and has been hands down one of the worst years of my life. That's not to say there haven't been strong moments of great accomplishment. There have. But if I'm being honest, this year has delivered body blow after body blow. And what victories I've had just don't outdo the hurt and the pain that has encompassed the days of the past year. If you're like me. You can feel there's no winning, and the best you can hope for is just not losing. Enter the 2020 Buffalo Bills. 
Faced with challenges from opt-outs, injuries, and all that 2020 has thrown at this once bumbling and incompetent franchise, this team has gritted its teeth, believed in and invested in its people, and leaned on each other, and has found ways to achieve victory when so much is stacked against them. There ain't been many days this past year that haven't felt like my world or my life is all but falling apart. But this team, this team that has, like clockwork, found ways to fail one way or another over the last 30 years has instead found ways to win, despite all the reasons why it shouldn't. The red, white, and blue isn't coincidence. The Buffalo Bills are America's team. Not just for the colors, not just for winning, but because I think we can all relate to the bottom just falling out. Everything falling apart. Loss after loss after loss, stacking up higher and higher. But you win by shaking off yesterday and seizing today as best you can. And when you get beaten down yet again, you keep getting back up. Because in truth, life isn't about winning. It's about facing its challenges and not quitting. You lose by quitting. This team has faced odds and challenges it shouldn't have succeeded against. And it hasn't quit because things were too big or too much and they couldn't overcome. It rose. It grinded. And right now, despite all the doubt, despite all the reasons why not, it found a way and has stacked W after W after W and is two wins away from winning it all for the first time in its history. After 2020 and 2021 so far, we can all use a reminder that tomorrow always comes. Tomorrow's a new day. And not quitting and just keeping trying will get you so far in life even if you don't see the changes overnight. So, while we're known for circling the wagons, dragging all the doubters and haters, and anyone who has ever slighted us in even the smallest of ways, here's a seat on the bandwagon. 2020 has been kind to no one, and you're still here. You've earned a spot to feel joy and be reminded that hope pays off. As I've said before, we win by looking out for each other. So no matter who you are or what franchise you come from, welcome. It is my hope that you feel in your bones the phrase, no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. I feel like that could totally be a hype video. Does anyone feel like there could be some sort of awesome narration like Chris Berman narrating that over a hype video. Would that not be amazing? I thought it was fantastic, and I wanted to share it. I've got one more thing, though, for you. I've got one more thing to share with you. And this was a particular fandom story that I got from Chris. And these last two things, I specifically chose to end this because this is a huge game for the Bills. And I know that every single game could be the last game of the season. But I wanted to send you into this game with a particular feeling of appreciation for what this year has meant, whether it goes on or whether it doesn't. I wanted you to feel something when you turned off this podcast today. And you know, people assume that because I'm the metrics guy and I'm the data guy, that somehow I don't feel those things. Or I don't acknowledge that you feel those things. Or that's not what this podcast is about. But we can do that too. I'm a Renaissance man, baby. We can do the feels. And with that being said, this is Chris's fandom story. Hi, Bruce. Thanks for doing this segment highlighting how we became a Bills fan. I apologize if I'm adding to your swamp of comments on the topic, but I wanted to share my story. 
My family doesn't have interest in sports at all. So I didn't know anything about it until I was watching TV by myself on January 3rd, 1993, when I was eight years old. With only one channel, my only option was to watch just what happened to be on, which was the Houston Oilers versus the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, that game. I remember going back to my mother, who was painting in the other room, with score updates, and she patiently listened to me talk about how one of the teams is getting destroyed. Mom, it's halftime, and they're behind 28-3. to Mom, I can't believe it. They're behind 35-3 to now. As human nature often dictates, I started rooting for those underdog Buffalo Bills and still remember watching the comeback. Four weeks later, although nobody in my family were fans of any team, my mother talked my father into going to a Super Bowl party one of his work friends was throwing and bringing me, who enjoyed that game so much a few weeks earlier. The Bills were playing again, this time against the Dallas Cowboys. I remember watching that game and mostly not knowing about much was happening, but knowing clearly the Bills were getting routed again. This time they didn't come back. But what will always stick in my head as the moment I became a Bills fan is late in the fourth quarter. Bills quarterback gets sacked and fumbles. Dallas defender Leon Lett picks up the fumble and starts running it back for what is sure to be just another touchdown in an already blowout game. As he is showboating, coming into the end zone, with the football held way out as though he had airplane wings, out of nowhere comes Bills wide receiver Don Beebe to knock it out of his hand and keep him from scoring. I was so proud and impressed of the way that this team seemed to play, to fight, even when down and seemingly out. The memory of everyone in that room reacting to the play and then minutes of replay afterwards sticks with me. How everyone else respected that team and that player for showing such resilience and character. Those are the traits I wanted to have. I want to have people think of me as having those traits. I want to follow this team, I thought. Looking back on it, I never would have experienced those moments if it weren't for my mother sharing the comeback with me and having me go with my father and happen to see the Don Beebe play. Football was not a passion of hers, but she nurtured and encouraged something that interested me when I was only eight. This year, out of the blue, my mother became sick. And after testing, it was found that she had several masses on her brain. On October 20th, she had an operation to remove them. She struggled coming back from such an intensive surgery and what turned out to be stage four brain cancer quickly returned before she was able to get her strength up to start any chemotherapy or radiation to fight it. She's been bedridden since the surgery and has slowly started to fade away. We're now at the hospice stage, and I feel in the next day or two, she will pass. During this difficult time, after many bad news days and worrisome, sleepless nights, the Bills have done nothing but win. With the exception of a Hale Murray play, the grief of my mother's illness has been lightened for three hours per week by the Bills going 9-1, and one, and possibly more, and even more important wins in the near future. My mother, although she isn't a Bills fan, is undoubtedly the reason why I am such a big Bills fan. And although she probably won't be around when this season ends, whether it's Saturday night in Buffalo, or next Sunday, or the Super Bowl in three weeks, I will have her with me in my love for this team. Thank you to the Bills for easing this burden a little for a couple hours per week. However small of a thing it might be in the grand scheme, it really has helped lighten the darkness. Don't tell me this isn't personal, Bills Mafia.
don't tell me that fandom doesn't mean things like this to people all over this country, all over this world. We have people who listen to this pod from other countries, in different time zones, all over the planet. And everybody has a story about why it means something to them on an emotional level. For Chris, it's his mom. For me, we moved around a lot when I was a kid. I didn't get a chance to spend a lot of meaningful time with my dad. But we did get one year of season tickets together in 2002 when Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback. And I'll never forget those moments. They matter to us. Sports matters to us because it creates moments and memories that connect us with people for the rest of our lives. And as we go into this weekend, and as we watch our favorite preferred team battle for an AFC championship, take every single bit of good you can out of your sports fandom. Leave all the bad stuff. Leave all the stuff that causes you to swing at people in the stands and yell profanities at random children who are wearing the wrong jersey. Leave all that behind. But take all the good you possibly can out of it because there's a lot of good to be had. That's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Gold.